Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by guest Daniel Roby. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jonathan, for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm a uh, landscape architect. I live in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is uh, uh, part of the county I'm in. I'm probably about an hour west of Washington, D.C., kind of on the outskirts of the suburbs there. I started my own landscape architecture company uh, early 2017 uh, after working for a landscape architecture design build firm for about 13 years prior. Um, Graduated from Clemson University in 2002. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. A little bit of a hard Monday night, but a good (laughs) night last night with a a Duke win, so I'll take it. Um, But yeah, yeah. Married, three kids, busy life, uh, running my own business with kids and everything. So um, I think just to take a step back too, you know, anytime I tell people that I'm a landscape architect, that's kind of a nebulous term that not many people really fully understand the scope of what I do. I mean, a lot of different landscape architects uh, practice in various fields. I'm primarily focused on high-end residential landscape architecture. So I'll work with clients that are building new homes, often collaborating with architects, civil engineers, interior designers, doing everything from schematic design, siting the house to uh, designing pools, pool houses, outdoor fireplaces, outdoor kitchens, you know, complete high-end outdoor living spaces for clients. So I'm working directly with the clients. Um, So it's a little bit different um, in that term. So I'm not working for another business. so a little bit different dynamic from, I think, from some of the other businesses that I think you've spoken to in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm glad you did that because that was my next question is what exactly <laughs> does a landscape architect do? Right, right. Uh, but I think you summed it up well with, is it fair to paraphrase that as you design outdoor living spaces for high-end residential homes? Correct. Yep. Okay, That's great. exactly right. Yep. Okay. And do you have any employees? No, it's just myself. So I do have uh, one part-time employee helping me do CAD drafting, um, another part-time employee doing some uh, computer 3D renderings, Mm -hmm. uh, but no direct employees here. Work out of a home office, low overhead, and keeping things really simple here in the early stages of my business. Cool. Uh, How far afield do you go? Do you just work around your area or... Uh, um, you know, I probably, I've got jobs as far, uh, you know, in driving distance, probably 90 minutes away is probably the client that I have the furthest uh, travel time to. Okay. Um, so kind of in that radius around of where I am. Do any landscape architects do things like uh, some sort of uh, remote consultations it's, it does seem kind of like a one of those things that's difficult to not be in person for but i'm wondering if you're aware of any landscape architects who yeah do- you know nothing um you know you definitely have to travel for it i mean nothing remote over the computer things like that i mean it is mm-hmm. so site specific um right. i mean i'm sure there are people out there that do it but um at least for what i do it's it's very site specific mm-hmm. um you know, working with the homeowners, you really have to be on site and really understand the full breadth of things. So, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, so the, 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 the communication that initiated this call is that you sent me a, an email, uh, with some specific questions. So what, sure. what sorts of things, um, are on your mind? Like what kinds of problems are you faced with? Just maybe not specific questions yet, but, but, 
why would you spend, you know, an hour talking to me about your business at all? If, sure. You know, are you trying to grow? What's your objective? Do you, sure. Are you feeling like uh, you're underpaid or do you feel like you're on a hamster wheel? Are you working more than ever? And, and you know, these sorts of things. Yeah. So really it's, you know, I always try and, you know, listen to a lot of business podcasts or read a lot of business books just to understand that because I came from, you know, working in a business and never running one and I don't have any kind of a business background. So I've really dove in head first when I started the business just to kind of learn, you know, different ways to approach what I'm doing because it is such a niche market. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of different ways to do it. So I've always been looking at, you know, smarter ways to do it and just being a single person firm. um, My time and capabilities are certain limited. So I just want to maximize that efficiency as much as possible. That's where looking at you know, some of the practices that you're instituting really, um, you know, caught my eye mm-hmm. uh, because I do probably at this point, I've got about 50% of my clients are hourly based. Um, mm-hmm. Really just because that's kind of an industry standard. If you're looking at architects, um, landscape architects, a lot of them bill on an hourly and, you know, operate their fees around an hourly structure. So mm-hmm. always looking at a different way to um, approach things is really why I came your way. Got it. Okay. Um, how would you, can you even estimate off the top of your head roughly how many hours a week you work? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, is it real like spiky? No, it's, it's pretty consistent. Um, you know, throughout the year really, um, it, it, it's all over the place. Um, but I'd say probably 50 hours, something like that. Um, you know, Working some include, nights, a little bit on the weekends. Um, right, right, right. Nothing impossible. Yep. Is that all client work? Are you also doing things like, um, you know, marketing and, I don't know, running Google AdWords or going to networking right. events? So that was really the first year of my business. I was doing a lot of that. Um, I was really starting cold. I didn't bring any clients over. Mm-hmm. Um, I was starting from literally the ground up with zero clients. So that first year... I did a lot of uh, business development, going out, meeting people. Um, I wrote cold letters to architects, interior designers, anybody in the industry. Mm-hmm. I did some marketing, a lot of networking events, things like that. But that's really slowed down since I've uh, made a lot of connections and enhanced my network a little bit. So, um, and I think the the high end residential model. I don't think those type of clients are after the people that are having a little ad in the back of the newspaper or things like that. It's a little bit more of a different dynamic as far as um, clients finding people. It's more word of mouth referrals or um, referrals from architects, other professionals that I'm collaborating with on a project. Okay. Do you have much competition in the area? Um, You know, my competition, there are some other landscape architects with similar business models as myself, but some of them are more focused, more in the city, closer to Washington, D.C. I'm a little bit on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a few uh, operations here and there. They're mainly, my competition are mainly the the landscape, kind of your typical landscape companies that have designers in-house, that have um, landscape crews, construction crews, you know, all within the same company that come out, do a design and do the construction for you. But um, I'm really kind of after a different kind of clientele, but I do run across them uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Taking some notes here. Sure, sure. 
Um, yeah, because that's it's interesting that you're you sort of got this ninety minute radius around your location that's that you're uh, you could say trapped in, but on the other hand, it's a barrier to entry because other people from farther away aren't you know you're not going to get people from California in competition with you the way that sure. say a software developer would. So it's sure. a, a, probably a blessing and a curse, right? Assuming there are a lot of high end residential communities in that ninety minute radius. There are, there are. It's um, it's a great area. It's always a uh, very high income uh, area. I think the county here has been rated, you know, in the top five, um, you know, wealthiest counties in the nation. So there you go. Okay. Uh, in a good area for sure. Great. Um, okay. So that's a tons of great context. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I, I assume your answer to the question of 50 hours per week, it's mostly client work now. You don't, you haven't really been doing biz dev since the first year. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, so let's let's get into some of the specific questions that you have. Sure, sure. You can start so wherever I, you want. I think you know probably the the first one I wanted to talk about was just how you know in in terms of value pricing, how to how can I put a value on the stuff that I do, and how can a homeowner relate to the value that I'm giving them? And I'm not. You know, it's not working with a website where if I'm building a website, they're going to get so many leads or working with another business that there's going to be tangible results from the work that I'm giving them. You know, the work that I'm providing with these people, it's more kind of as an enhanced lifestyle. You know, the the kids are going to have pool parties at their house instead of somebody else's house or, you know, they're going to have a wedding in their backyard in this beautiful new property that we've designed. So it's hard to have a tangible value in order to base that value pricing off of that makes sense. Sure. Uh, I I'll point out though, that, um, even software developers, uh, have a similar, I mean, almost everybody, unless you are, unless you are a frontline salesperson who's literally bringing money through the door from customers, uh, almost everybody is either upstream from the bottom line, or they're downstream trying to reduce churn or, you know, get more referrals or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. almost nobody is, is like, Hey, if you give me a dollar, I'll give you $10. You want to give right. me a dollar? Uh, really even salespeople can't do that unless they're doing working on like commission or contingency fees. So, uh, it's very rare. So do, I just don't want you to feel like, <laughs> you know, you're uh, in a, in a uniquely complicated situation for, for value pricing or any other kind of pricing. Sure. And the other thing to point out uh, that is, I think, a, a significant difference is that typically software developers are selling B to B, and you are selling, and you know, some landscape architects are selling B to B, but it sounds like you're selling B to C, right? You know, directly to consumers. So Correct. is it, is that true that the that the homeowner is the one writing you the check, or Correct. is it sometimes okay? Yeah, definitely the the uh, consumer, and you know there are clients that I have that are looking at the project and thinking about resale, um, but the best clients that I have, they're not basing anything that we do on resale. Right, um, they're basing it on pure lifestyle decisions. You know, mm-hmm. they're at a spot in their life. This is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They're willing to spend the money to do it right, and. Um, you know, those, that, that's how they're based their decisions. So that's where I think that value pricing, you know, having a, um, a premium with a great value with what I can provide could really work with the right type of client. Absolutely. Yep. And I want to, I hasten to point out that even if what you were, even if you were working with a client who was thinking that this was going to contribute to their resale value, it would be pretty hard to 
to say exactly how much it contributed to some sure. potential sale maybe someday in the future with all of the other things that they may or may not do to their home it's 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 all <laughs> the thing i'm pointing out is that it's all pretty intangible right right and so, i think working yeah. with with homeowner homeowners in their house it the value conversation takes on a different role you know some people value buying a $200,000 vehicle or a $30,000 purse. I think when it comes to your own personal things, each people value things so differently, um, mm -hmm. especially with this type of client that, you know, again, that value pricing seems like a great fit. Yes, it's a great fit. Um, it's important to recognize that, uh, that the value is just like you said, a hundred percent up to them. And cause you, you did say a second ago, you know, how do I value it? You don't value it. Mm -hmm. They value it, right? You price it. There's a difference there. So, so, um, in a value pricing model, just to like do a quick aside, the value pricing model, um, in my world, you're talking to a specific person could be a business owner, could be a homeowner, and they are talking to you for some reason. They're interested in what they believe that you can offer them. You might not know exactly why they might be wrong. They might, you know, they might think that you do something that you don't actually do, but they're interested in spending their time with you. So they're already investing in you. They're spending their time with you to have a sales interview. Okay. Some kind of preliminary interview. So they think you have something that they want. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out what that is though. Cause like I said, it could be wrong in which case you wouldn't want to take their money and just disappoint them. Right. Uh, but while you're going through that conversation, I call it the why conversation. you you go through these three types of why, would you spend a ton of money on a landscape architect when i see that you have these landscapers their signs in front of your house i know they have a designer why don't you just get them to do it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they and what you're doing is that's just one of of you know maybe a dozen questions that you would ask them but what you're getting them to do is you're helping them uncover probably what is a gut instinct and articulate it in words so they're taking it from this sort of subconscious level, usually into a conscious level so that they can kind of recognize it. And, uh, and it is this sort of discovery process where they would say, oh, well, I mean, those guys, I mean, they're fine for like snow removal and, and right. you know, mowing the lawn, but this is a major, this is a major life change for us. Our kids are leaving for college and we want to start, you know, now they start telling you the kind of stories that you just said, right. or, you know, our daughter's going to be getting married and we want to host it here. We want it to be beautiful and so on and so forth. We want it to be perfect. Right. And they'll start to tell you why they care, why they, why they would hire a landscape architect at all. You know, why not just do it yourselves? Why not take a course? There's a course at the local college in landscape architecture that you could take at nights and do it yourself. I mean, that's mm -hmm. ridiculous probably for these people, but, <laughs> right, right. Um, but there are all sorts of alternatives. They could do nothing. That's always the first alternative. Do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, do it yourself is another alternative in, you know, in general, mm -hmm. uh, hire an amateur to do it is another alternative in general, uh, hire a professional to do it. That's, you know, that's you, that's the alternative you want. Uh, clients, you want clients who want that alternative. And you, uh, by going through those other alternatives, whether you do it um, uh, explicitly or implicitly, they're going to explain to you why a professional, which is obviously the most expensive one financially, mm -hmm. why that's the one that they want to do. Mm -hmm. sure. in, a, 
the other why questions are about why would you want to do this now? And they might say the wedding is coming up soon or it's summer and we want the pool in before then. Or, you know, tell me some other things. Why would, why would someone want to have you help them on, uh, in a deadline kind of way? Like what sorts of deadlines have you been up against? Yeah. You know, it's always, um, some big party or, you know, I think most of my clients now are coming via a new house, new home project, um, addition or pools. Those are kind of my bread and butter type projects. So anytime they want to do a pool, they're scheduling a party, you know, Mm -hmm. a year out. So, you know, there are, (laughs) (laughs) and everybody's working towards that party, but, uh, those are the primary kind of projects I'm working on and and deadlines associated with that, that get very complicated, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as, you know, tying in financing or parties or however it is, there's, uh, it can get very complicated and emotional very quickly. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, um, where does your, I think I need a little more, more background ab- sure. about your actual discipline. <clears throat> where do you draw the boundaries around what you do and don't do? Like, I imagine you're not moving flagstone. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, it, just to take a step back as far as how I work, you know, very similar to kind of how an architect would work as far as phases of design go, you know, I start with, what I call schematic design, where you're working on, uh, just to refer it again back to an architect, you're figuring out where the bathroom, the kitchen, the hallway, the bedrooms are, how that's all connected, the elevations of things. I'm doing the same thing outside, figuring out pool is going here, pool pavilion, outdoor kitchen, outdoor fireplace. This is how it all works out. These are the elevations. I kind of get that basic roadmap. So that's the first step of my process. And each step and, and in the process, that, what so do you I call, call that? that schematic design. All right. And how much schematic design? So typically how much collaboration uh, do you have to get from the home? Are there, are you like, what does that look? Cause I've never worked with an architect or sure. a landscape architect. So sure. like paint me the picture. So, so, you know, again, every project has its own individual. So it's hard to, you know, say this is the typical project scope, but yeah, party, um, pool party. A year yeah, away, so, like, so as far as my process goes, I'll typically, start that project, do site measurements. I'll give them design options. We'll go through a couple rounds of revisions and I'll get them okay, a, a little final. Slower, a little slower, a little slower. Sure. So, Sorry. so you, you, you meet with them. Correct. They uh-huh. agree to some price and you, you don't do schematic designs for free, I assume. No, no, no. So okay. I have separate contracts for each phase of my design. Okay. So this schematic phase, they agree to it. There's some money exchanged, mm-hmm. whether it's hourly or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then how much of their time is involved and how much, you know, calendar wise, calendar wise, generally for a typical pool party a year away, how much calendar time is it going to be before they give you the money and you give them some deliverable? You know, probably that first stage of schematic design, it's probably about a six week process, um, maybe eight week, depending on how complicated the project is. Um, Sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. Um, but again, that's really just schematic designs. We haven't looked at material selections, plants, drainage plans. I mean, layout, there's all kinds of layers that go on afterwards. Sure, sure, sure. So I want to break down the phases and understand Mm -hmm. each one. Mm -hmm. So the schematic design, six to eight weeks, how much of the, the homeowner's time is eaten up in there? Like, do you have to ask them a bunch of questions or do you have to have repeated meetings with them? Or is it kind of like, uh, they, they say, yeah, just walk around the yard whenever you need to and mm-hmm. let us know when you're done. Yeah. You know, normally a lot of the time is early up front. you know, just kind of, you know, figuring out exactly what they're after. Um, and then, you know, my first, 
you know, I'll go through some design options where I'll say, here's option one, option two, option three. There's a lot of communication, interaction, you know, multiple meetings in that step uh, to really fully understand. And at that point, they're kind of saying, I like this piece of that design, this piece of that one. And we meld them together. And at that point, we've had a lot of the overall big picture conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making a few revisions after that is normally fairly quickly, depending on the client. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, you get this client that changes their mind, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. But that's typically, it's kind of front loaded in that early kind of exploration of exactly what they want, their family dynamic, uh, you know, long-term plans and, you know, showing them those options of what could be, you know, that's, that's really the heavy engagement piece. Okay. And what am I, what am I looking at? If I'm one of your clients, you're Mm -hmm. giving me like a big, like rolling out a big sheet of paper that you just drew all over with pencil or correct. Yeah. So I'll start, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'll do, I do a lot of hand drawings, hand drawings on trace paper, sketch paper, and people love that. So I'm showing them big plans with big <clears throat> trace paper drawings over them, um, you know, and they can touch and feel and, and we're mm-hmm. spray painting things out in the yard to say, this is about how big the pool will be. This is where this is going. <laughs> you know, it's okay. very interactive uh, in a collaborative process, which is, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, but at the end of that schematic phase, they'll have a full plan um, in CAD. Uh, a lot of my clients will go forward with you know some really uh, 3D realistic uh, computer renderings too that'll mm-hmm. go with it. So mm-hmm. they'll get kind of the overall layout of things, and then you know computer photorealistic renderings of what what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So those the finals are CAD plans that. Well, we'll get to the next step. The next, mm-hmm. so how how much, how many, if you could roughly guesstimate across those six to eight weeks, how many hours of your time get eaten up with the schematics? The, the whole, um, this whole phase, probably around forty to sixty hours, if I had to guess, somewhere around that. Okay, four dr, and you know, maybe like what eight hours for the client. Yeah, that's probably about right. Between meetings, phone calls, emails, that's that's probably pretty accurate. Okay. All right. And and I'm guessing they're pretty excited about all this by the time. So then the end, they get this they get this photorealistic thing that's sort of like the dream in their head is now in front of them that they can share with other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and then they get the sort of perhaps less sexy but more useful CAD drawings. Mm-hmm. That, correct, correct. Okay, now those must plug into the next phase of the process, I imagine. Yeah, and even just to back up, you know, another piece on that first step, I'm looking at preliminary pricing just to make sure what we're designing is not going in the opposite direction of their budget. I mean, that's my worst nightmare to get to that that piece, you know, start looking at budget and they're like, well, we only had half of that budget, you know? So mm-hmm. I am asking them a lot of budgetary questions, doing some preliminary uh, cost analysis for them or bringing a uh, contractor early on in the game to provide them some pricing just to make sure we're You're going in the right direction. Yep. So that's part of that first phase as well. Oh, that's very good. And uh, and typically what are they going to end up spending on the implementation or the execution or the actual, uh, what, what do you call the phase when someone's actually moving flagstones around and digging a pool? So I'm just calling that installation or construction. Installation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you know what their construction budget is. Mm-hmm, correct. By the time you're done, okay. Yeah, and I'm going to ask them those questions right off the bat, very first meeting or very first phone call even. I'll typically schedule a phone call before I even meet with somebody just to kind of pre-qualify and make 
make sure they're, you know, they've got realistic budgets. It's a good match for what I do and uh, the kind of project they're after. Yeah, and it's it's cool too because it's not money you'd be getting, so they probably feel pretty comfortable t- being honest about that, right? And not because what what would be the point of wasting everyone's time paying you money to develop plans that they can't afford to build, right? Okay, so for uh, trying to keep up here with the notes, there's tons of good information. Uh, you're actually turning me on to the idea of hiring a landscape architect. So. <laughs> Um, maybe thousands of listeners. So let's see, photorealistic, uh, what do you call it? Drawing or representation or uh, renderings, it? computer Render. renderings. Yeah. Rendering. And is that a physical piece of paper that you print out or is it, they, they can also like move around in like virtual reality on their computer or something. There are those, um, programs out there. I have not delved into those, but some of the architects that I collaborate, collaborate on, uh, do have those programs and they'll bring them into the office and they'll put the headset on and walk through the whole house and everything so right uh, yeah okay cool yeah um okay so now you've got now you've got that phase completed Mm -hmm. Uh, do you typically price that phase individually correct yeah i'll typically do that individually because a lot of times i'm working on large properties um and the homeowner may want to phase the project but they want to get that master plan put together so they can efficiently develop it so they don't say they don't build the driveway before the pool goes in in the back and they destroy the driveway in the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, they want to get the big picture and then implement it sometimes in stages. Sometimes it's all at once, depending on the project. Okay. That makes um, total so sense. I'll get through that schematic phase and then we'll take a step back. We'll look at that budget and say, okay, do you want to do this in one phase, multiple phases? And then I'll enter in with what I call a construction detailing uh, phase or construction detailing contract and that's the second step of my process okay so one more time construction I, I call it construction detailing some people call it construction documentation it's um it's pretty much diving into all the details of that plan that you have um what's the uh, yeah like kind of mm, i almost said micromanaging the execution but <laughs> yeah. um what yeah like I, everything you told me about the first phase was complete news to me. So I'm sure this is going to be even more um, uh, educational. Sure. So like what, like really paint the picture, walk me through it, like on a timeline basis. I'm your client. I now I've got these photorealistic renderings. I've got the CAD drawings. I'm like drooling over the dream. I'm like, right, it's right in front of me. I can't, this is going to be amazing. Um, what's next? So as long as we've got the preliminary budgets in place and we understand the phase that we're going to work on, then I'll develop kind of a checklist of all the things that we'll need to decide. And that goes from patio materials, patio patterns, um, what the pool tile is going to be, what the pool finish is going to be, um, what the plants are going to be, where the drains, you know, everything soup to nuts, just like, an interior designer would come into your house and say, okay, we're going to paint that wall blue. Yeah. We're going to do tile on the floor. Same thing, but just on the exterior. That's funny. Do architects typically do that on the interior? They don't. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Uh, some okay. of them have in-house interior designers. Some do mm-hmm. not. Okay. Yeah. So you, so at this point you've got an overall budget. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm imagining that just by picking, Oh, we want the pool made out of solid gold versus cement. Right, right. Yeah, it could really blow the budget. So yeah. you must be consulting with them heavily on, you know, like here are a range of finishes that you can have on the patio. This right. one costs this much. This one costs that much. So obviously there are trade-offs, you know. Correct. And so there, you must, that must be an extremely um, intense and complicated. That seems very complicated. 
It is. It is. But it, it, to make things easier, that I love to get you know uh, a general contractor involved at that point to help us you know develop those very specific budgets early on in the game because I can take guesses, but there's so many different people that price things dramatically different. I mean, there can be fifty thousand dollars swing in just the pool you know, mm-hmm. between different contractors. So mm-hmm. if I can get somebody, bring us, bring them in early in the game, then we can kind of develop that budget and, and say, here's the patio that we preliminary priced in. But if you choose travertine, it's going to be X, Y, and Z upgrade, you know, mm-hmm. help them make those decisions. And again, design and budget going hand in hand the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're staying efficient. Okay. And you've got me picturing a $50,000 swing in my pool, which sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, what is the relationship with the general contractor when you bring someone in to have they already picked someone or are you picking someone this is kind of like they're kind of like your friend or partner or is this someone it it goes both ways i've got a handful of preferred um you know companies that i like to work with Mm -hmm. um but a lot of times i'll ask to come in uh during the course of a new home build and that 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 builder who's doing the home will actually take on a lot of the exterior construction to a point, um, depending on their capabilities. So, um, it goes both ways. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So then you're, you're meeting with the homeowner. It's you, the homeowner and some kind of contractor Mm -hmm. and, uh, imagining this is happening around a table or maybe you're walking around and like, okay, here are the options here. Here are the options there. Mm-hmm. Um, you and the general contractor are like basically speaking Greek, probably, <laughs> compi- you know, and then right. you kind of translate it for the homeowner. Um, and do you, I mean, are, are you pulling out samples? Like how are they even making sure, these decisions? Sure. Catalogs, samples, photos, all kinds of stuff. My, my office and my car are full of stones and, pool tiles and finished samples <laughs> and catalogs galore. So, oh, yeah, sounds like fun. Absolutely. Okay. So how long does this kind of, I, I wrote down like micro budgeting. So mm-hmm. for each individual item, you're kind of, you're kind of like developing a plan to a budget in a kind of circular fashion. Um, like, Oh no, I really want this, uh, outdoor barbecue thing. That's $50,000. Well, maybe, we, maybe we'll go with the cheaper finish on the pool or something, you know, right. something or the exactly. cheaper barbecue grill. How long, like, is this happening one day? No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's multiple months. Um, typically, um, mm-hmm. and again, it, it gets complicated depending on the different jurisdictions you're in. Like there's sometimes some, very intensive permitting that's having to go on simultaneously is you doing mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. Uh, you know there's lots of factors um, involved but typically um, you know I'll start with working on the all of the hardscape selections like the pool t- or the uh, the patios you know is that going to be a flag cylinder? is that a travertine are the walls going to be stone or stucco and mm-hmm. we're looking at all these different samples and things um, and I'll, I'll try and bite it off and pieces to where we don't overwhelm them and then i'll mm-hmm. we'll try and then look at the pool you know what's mm-hmm. the pool finish what's the pool color where are the steps where are the benches where are the waterfalls you know i'm kind of figuring out all those little different details and kind of taking them piece by piece to kind of develop that plan because it it constantly evolves you know they go to some resort and see something or they see some right. tv show or some website and they're like well i like this and this and this and it just it's a constant collaboration and conversation throughout the whole thing the plants right. are never done. I mean, that's the that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's done when you leave. <laughs> the check is yeah, paid. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, 
is, are you, go, you know, as I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I am a homeowner and sure. I, I'm imagining a situation like this, you know, do you want this or that on the pool? Do you want stucco or travertine on the, wherever that mm-hmm. stuff goes? And I, I would, I'm positive. What I would say is like, I don't know. I need to see what it all looks like. Do you have mm-hmm. to go back and update the, the renderings? We can do that. Um, as much as possible. I like to, um, either go to another job site that has a similar material or show them photos um, and samples. So it's, it's sometimes a combination of each. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it just depends on the, the individual project. Okay. You know, I don't like to rely too heavily on those computer renderings because there is a, a degree of artistic license with those. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want them relying too much on those and walking around the construction guys saying, you know, where's this white flower that you should be right here in the <laughs> computer renderings, you know, they yeah. can uh, really zoom in and take it to a granular level sometimes if you get too specific on those kind of things. Yeah, that's funny. There's a, a direct parallel in the computer world when you're prototyping software, you want to make sure it looks like it's not done. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, it only took a week and you're done. It's like, no, that's <laughs> right. a picture. <laughs> right. Same <laughs> thing. Real. Same thing. Yeah. Um, Okay, so tell me a little bit more about this pulling permits thing. Is that your responsibility? So typically I'll um, introduce them, you know, say they need a, you know, a site grading plan where they've got to, you know, prove to the county that they're not going to flood the neighbors or <laughs> pour a whole bunch of silt onto the the driveway and or the street yeah. in front. So there are certain things. I'll bring in a civil engineer, whoever that professional is, that's going to do that and have them work directly with the client. And I'm kind of coordinating those efforts. Okay. Um, okay. What else goes into construction detailing? Um, you know, when you're talking about other professionals like uh, civil engineers, sometimes I have to bring a structural engineer if there's, um, you know, any kind of structures present. So we'll have to bring them in to help um, material selections, um, you know, just general confirmation of the plan and layout. Um, you know, it's really just every single little detail that a contractor would need to price the project and to build the project. Um, okay. So, so that's the deliverable at the mm-hmm. end. And what does that look like? Are we talking about a 40 page document with uh, it's like a binder with, you know, like a mood boards and so on and so forth. Yeah. So typically at the end of that process, they'll have a multi sheet set. So imagine a 24 by 36 sheet and you'll have, you know, sometimes it's 10 sheets, sometimes it's 20, with all the specifics written down, you know, it says this patio is going to be this material, this pattern, this joint color, and I'll have details that'll say exactly how the contractor should install it. Um, So it's multiple pages going over all those separate things, you know, lighting plans, planting plans, um, you know, all the specs and details throughout. Okay. And is it one master document or do you have like a version for each different, you know, like the lighting people might be different from the, the, you know, if somebody's got to put an I beam in somewhere or the pool mm-hmm. people might be different from the patio people or I don't know. Right. Is, is it all split out? Are you, yeah, exactly. Okay. So each sheet, you know, you'll have one sheet that's a lighting plan that'll have designations for the lights and the specs for each light, um, where the transformers are, how they're zoned. Um, and then you'll have the next sheet that's for the pool guy that says, this is how I want the steps. This is the material finish. This is the tile. So, you know, so they can look through that construction set and say, oh, this is my page or this is my page or refer mm-hmm. to page two and three for my work. Okay. So the deliverable are just like you said, detailed construction plans. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And this entire phase, you said, can you can you kind of give us a bit of a time box if we're imagining the year out pool party model? Yeah, that might be a two month process. It could be three months. Uh, you know, again, depending on the size of the project. Um, mm-hmm. it, again, it, it really that can span a lot of different time time frames there. All right. Can you can you detect upfront how long stuff like, you know, like, do you get a sense from someone after going through the schematic design phase, if a homeowner is going to be high maintenance or low maintenance? Sure, sure. So yeah, I'm I sure think, they're all high maintenance, but like yeah, insane. But there are certain levels, you know, you can certainly get a really good feel. That's why I like to do those separate contracts, because you learn a whole lot in that first phase um, of design, not only about the client, but about the project and how the next phase is going to go. So that mm-hmm. way, I kind of have another chance to price it differently than that last right. job or you know right. it, it again very project specific but absolutely there's a lot of indicators there okay and you said that but generally you said it'd be around three or four months i think yeah typically and sometimes things are happening simultaneously with that you know there may be a piece of the project that's getting built while you're still figuring out some of the specific details um sure so um okay and the client involvement sounds intense when you need them, but is it intense throughout? Do you, do you have a, I mean, do you have to have a weekly meeting with the homeowner or is it less than that? It's probably less than that. Um, but it, it, it does get intense and I try not to overwhelm them. And that's why I, you know, try and lay out, you know, that checklist of all the stuff that we've got to go through. So they understand this is what we've got in front of us, but let's take it off on bits, bite-sized pieces and help them understand it. Uh, they're, sometimes overwhelmed at the beginning but as you kind of work through it they start to uh you know really get a comfort level okay so maybe you know what is that 12 weeks for 16 weeks so maybe 20 hours of homeowner time 20 30 yeah possibly something like that and for you is this like could you how many of these could you handle at the same time um you know that's a good question that i'm trying to figure out right now i've got uh you know, I, I think when you're into that construction detailing phase, a lot of the heavy design work that, again, takes most of my time is done. Mm-hmm. You know, the, when I went to the construction document phase, at least my individual time, it's my meetings. And then I can pass on this information to my CAD drafters to say, this is what we decided, put this into the plan. Because we've already got, you know, the basic skeleton of the plan in the computer. I can kind of hand off information and let them run with it as far as those technical documents go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your but your personal time. I mean, is this like twenty hours a week for the whole three months? No, 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 no. It's maybe three or four hours. I'd say at the most. Okay, so thirty six. So let's call it. Oh, that's less than I expected. Mm-hmm. Three or four hours per week for this phase times, let's say, ten weeks. So thirty to forty hours, maybe. Okay. And you're paying a little bit for the. CAD person, but mm-hmm. um, okay. Uh, quick question to loop back: mm-hmm. Does it ever happen that someone does the schematic design phase and just wants that? Yes. And, okay. Yes. Yep. So I've got some clients that um, have their own. You know, they have estates and they have their own in-house crews. They've got mm-hmm. people that do nothing but work on that property that they employ. So. And a lot of these people have a lot of time on their hands. Sometimes they're retired and uh, they're taking on the management and the construction of the project. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes all they need is kind of a, 
you know, a professional opinion and a roadmap and you're more those type of projects. It's more of kind of like a consultant, you know, more than a real, you know, formal landscape architect. So uh, got it again, it ranges. I think those are the type of clients that would be very hard to do a value-based fee on in my mind. And, and maybe you've got strategies, uh, you know, yeah, tell me otherwise, but right. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. Not necessarily, but sure. I mean, the reason why I'm going into such depth here, I wouldn't normally have to do this with a developer because I already know what mm-hmm. they think. Cause I was one for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, so this is, but this is all, this is perfect kind of information. Okay. So the construction deal detailing phase, you end up with these really specific, pages of instructions and schematics and specs and you know details for people to go execute so it's like the blueprint correct okay uh roadmap slash vision this is like the blueprint mapping this stuff to things from my world Uh, okay so now the the construction detailing phase or what i would call the blueprint is done Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm uh, do you ever be like, okay, have fun. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Or is it, yeah, typically there's another phase I would imagine. Yeah. So again, if, if I have my druthers, I would definitely go into this next phase. My last phase is what I call project administration, which is a mm-hmm. fancy word for saying I can be around during construction to help act as your advocate in communication with the contractor, checking on construction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that's weekly meetings, but again, some clients, they don't need that. Uh, but I try and stay involved as much as I can because things constantly change. Any type of construction project, it's uh, it's not a static environment. Stuff is always moving and changing. Clients change their minds. So even after those plans are done, there's a there's almost always some revisions that you'll have to go back and work through um, or some unexpected things sure. or they add on to the project. So I like to stay involved in that last step. And typically that last step is really at least how I'm working now is just an hourly basis. And it's kind of a, an as needed basis, you know, when, you know, call me if we need to meet with the, um, the contractor or have some clients that we do try and schedule uh, periodic meetings just kind of throughout the course of the project. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you call it project administration. I, mm-hmm. I call this project oversight. Okay. And we have the exact same thing in the software world when there's a big project on the table. There's actually, this maps very similarly with um, a high level software project Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, because it does start off with like uh, prototyping the vision, Mm -hmm. which is your schematic design phase, and then creating a blueprint, which for me would be more like an architecture diagram and, you know, all of the, maybe an entity relationship diagram, which I'm I'm only saying for the benefit of the listener. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next phase, I would say project oversight because you don't build it. So like usually with a software developer, they'll do the vision thing and they'll do the blueprint thing uh, in order to get the build. Right. And they'll make all their money on the build. Mm -hmm. That's, and and it's usually the build is a very high revenue thing. And and the numbers you shared with these projects to go into the millions of dollars for the build, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you're not making the millions of dollars. Because right. it's it's just brain work, air quotes. Right. So the the um, the problem with the trap, just to have a little quick sidebar here, mm-hmm. the trap with giving away or pricing the vision and the blueprint pieces or your schematic design and construction detailing, the problem with pricing those low or hourly is that they don't take that long. Mm-hmm. But they're really important. Right. 
And then if you're, if you're imagining that, well, well, yeah, I'll do those things at my hourly rate to get the build, which you don't do, but for software developers, they're thinking like, oh yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the prototyping and all of the brainstorming and all of that stuff. And then I'll lay out the whole architecture and define the stack top to bottom and all of these things before, you know, maybe even hire some, you know, or find them some subcontractors and then, or maybe even train their staff a little bit like, okay, here, this is how a web project works. And then they go in and they're like, okay, we're going to make all of our revenue on this build because it's going to take a year and mm-hmm. it could easily be $500,000. And uh, the, the problem with that is that it's really hard to do the build and mm-hmm. it's, it's very expensive for the builder to do the build. So the profits that you're getting from that particular phase are pretty low. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's just lots of them. It's pretty low profit, but it's for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And software developers have a tendency to forget that their time is a cost and, and just think it's all profit. Like, Oh, well, I made $500,000 on this project. It's like, well, no, you didn't. You worked 80 hours a week for a year. Right. You know, if you hired someone to do that piece for you, there would be no profit left over Mm -hmm. for you as the business owner. You, you basically have a job that you made for yourself, a job with no boss, but you, your business made no profit. Hmm. You are dodging that bullet because you don't install pools. Right. Right. And, and there's another aspect to this, which is that there are tons of material costs, which don't, they're minor material costs in software, but, but they're negligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes it, it makes it interesting because the budgets are super high, but there is probably a part of some of the buyer's brain that, and you've kind of trained them on this a little bit. I don't suppose you have a choice, but you've been like, this finish is more expensive than that one because mm-hmm. it is, you know? Mm-hmm for whatever reason. And they, then that feels really tangible. And so they're spending a ton of money on a lot of stuff that feels really tangible. So spending, you know, uh, a small but significant fraction of that on a piece of paper and a picture on their computer probably feels pretty intangible in comparison right, right. to like it, 40 tons of gravel. Right. In my previous job, it was a design build company, which just sounds like uh, kind of the business model that you were talking about before. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they've got in-house design staff and in-house construction crews. The design piece is just a mean to the ends. They, they'll very, you know, minimize the value of that design in order to get that big budget build yeah, project. It's a loss leader. Yeah. So it's, you know, when I started this, it was a completely different way of thinking. Um, but, you know, a lot of architects will, charge a percentage of the construction as yeah. their fee um i've got you know some soapbox issues that i don't i, I don't think like that's a that. mistake yeah yeah and i think a lot of clients have issues with that too it makes um, no sense right it makes no sense whatsoever I mean, yeah it's, it's just tying it's just easy it's like hourly is easy it's like oh well here's something we can measure let's measure that right how many hours or how many dollars you're going to spend and mm-hmm. then take a percentage of that like where's the justification for that Right. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's the same with the ad spend in the, in advertising space. It's like, Oh, well the agency will just take a percentage of the ad buy. Like why? Yeah. It doesn't map to anything. It's sometimes a conflict of interest too. You know, the client will think, well, why (laughs) did you design that to be such a fancy expensive thing? It's just because you're going to get more of a percentage off the project, you know? So there is sometimes Mm -hmm. a conflict in in the design Mm -hmm. piece too, because the client always has that in the back of their mind. Yes. Okay. So here's, here's okay well we didn't really talk about the project admin so let's mm-hmm. i mean i can this one seems easy to picture but you you tell me like what's it, it 
I mean, I imagine, you know, a guy with a hard hat and blueprints walking mm-hmm. around a job site, just sort of checking finishes and making sure, you know, like, oh, you know, don't paint it like that. Paint it a little like this. <laughs> right. And like these lights are in the wrong place. Exactly. Exactly. Or answering phone calls from clients that says, uh, you know, what do you think about X, Y, and Z with what the construction crew is doing? And typically I'm pretty involved with the construction, uh, with the general contractors as far as scheduling and when they're doing work. And, you know, that way I can check in on things. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it runs the gambit between, you know, going out and laying out plants or picking out materials with the contractor, um, you know, verifying things on site that it's the right pattern or the right color, you know, there's a million different things, but it's really just being there for support for the client and making sure everyone's vision is, you know, completed the way we've all been talking about for months and months, months prior. Yep. The vision is realized. And now imagine if you weren't involved, it would be mom out there yelling at everybody, right. not recognizing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. We're just not to that part yet. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I would imagine that having you around is a, a beneficial to the contractors as well. Like people that are actually building. It is. And a lot of times they'll confide in me and say, Hey, you know, the contractor's doing something that we don't think is correct. You know, is that correct? And if it's not, they'll sometimes lean on me to have that conversation with the contractor that says, Hey, this is not the way you should be doing it. You should be doing it this way. So I'm really kind of out, you know, kind of as a safeguard between the client and the contractor kind of mm-hmm. as a mediator. And sometimes in those situations. Yeah. Has it, does it, is it common that it gets very like, you know, marriage counselory? Like, does it get into like, um, does it commonly become emotional or, or do you act as a release valve? So that doesn't usually get to that phase. Yeah, I used to always call it a roller coaster. You know, it, it, mm. it a lot of times when it starts, you know, everybody was on a high. Everybody's super, super excited. And yeah. then, you know, it's inevitable that every construction project is going to come across some hurdles. You know, then it kind of, it dips down and people get upset. And, you know, mm. it just, it's a constant roller coaster emotions because you're in these people's homes or you're working on their future home. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's a very personal thing mm-hmm. uh, that you're involved with there. Yeah. So it, it does get that way sometimes but i do my best not to <laughs> to steer them away from you know a bad contractor or a bad decision to you know alleviate some of that emotion yep okay so same question with the others mm-hmm. um how much i mean i imagine the the homeowner really is they're just along for the ride at this point mm-hmm. uh perhaps calling you maybe you know confiding in you these sorts of things but not a, not a real big time commitment they're not they're not burning a lot of cycles on creative energy and making decisions it's just like you know daniel i think they might have messed up the pool correct know, stuff right, like that right yeah. uh, could you come by and you know just make sure and uh, so it's not a big time commitment on their part mm-hmm. i know this is impossible but on average what would what does it feel like your commitment level is here time wise yeah, that's a that's a hard one. Um, again, it's what's very a, project specific. What's a worst specific. case scenario? Let's say like a worst yeah. week. A yeah, bad maybe week. think of a bad week. Like, what's the like? Ugh, I was there like every day for two hours. Yeah, maybe four or six hours a week is worst week. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you know, I, and I think that's you know that kind of dovetails into another question. You know, that piece. You know, I know you've talked about pricing levels and I, mm-hmm. I think that piece is a very one easy one for me to understand a pricing level that says you know lowest price is me needed uh, as needed as necessary or 
a next level is I'm on site once a week and a next level is, you know, I'm there twice a week, weekly meetings, you know, I think that's an easy one for me to, to look at that, that range of pricing and really to have a value pinned to each level. Yes. That's very interesting that that's the direction you went. I, I think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some challenges there and there's another way to do it that I think is a little simpler for the, the homeowner to get their heads around from a mm-hmm. purchase decision standpoint. Um, all right. So before I get into that though, this sure. is the, this is the last phase I imagine. Correct. Yep. All right. Um, is there any, do you do, do you, uh, in your process, do you have like aftercare? Do you send photographers to the site to put in your portfolio, things like that, or <laughs> ask for referrals, any follow up? Yeah. I'll typically check in with them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, again, it being such a personal experience working in their homes, being in their homes, you know, you have a pretty good relationship with them to where you try and check in and touch base with them. How's the wedding or, you know, how's your Christmas, things like that. So I am constantly checking in just to, because it is, it's a relationship by the end of that project, you you know, each other really well. They know about my family. I know about their family. And uh, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, on a good project, you kind of, you're kind of gaining a friend at the end of the project. Um, So it's, it's very personable. Um, You know, you hope they call you for the next project. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And do, uh, I mean that, yeah, but that's nothing you charge. That's just courtesy stuff. Correct. Courtesy correct. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So now let's swing back around and start talking about prices. Mm-hmm. How many leads would you say you get on a monthly basis? Not, leads? not closed deals, but just like, right. you know, like, Oh, maybe we should, we heard that you do good stuff. We're thinking mm-hmm. about something. Maybe we should talk. I'm probably getting on average, probably about three a month. Okay. And how many of those do you convert into customers? Uh, I think last year it was uh, over 50, 50%. It was maybe closer to 60. Okay, 56% conversion. Uh, I am going to guess that those are all referrals. Correct. Yeah, I think yeah. of all the leads I had last year, I think you know there was like 2% were coming off of um, you know the internet, um, mm-hmm. you know, random marketing, things like that. Okay. And are the referrals from, uh, if you had to, you know, draw a pie chart, what percentage mm-hmm. are coming from past clients? Which ones are, which ones are past clients doing new work? Mm-hmm. Which ones are past are, are referrals from past clients and which ones are referrals from your partners that you, uh, sort of all work with, together with? Um, I'd probably say it's at least 50% referrals at this point from, other professionals, whether that's a civil engineer, architect, I get a lot of leads from architects, um, interior designers, engineers, I'm getting a lot of leads that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the other two categories are probably, probably split more in favor of repeat clients. Um, But, you know, very minor. So maybe it's 25% repeat clients, 25% um, new clients as referral from old clients, and then 50% from you know, referral from other professionals. Okay. And the repeat clients, are the jobs typically smaller, bigger, same? Um, typically it starts with a big project. Um, right. And then, you know, there's smaller projects after that, but it could be the absolute reverse. Um, I've got some clients that I've worked on their residences and they own a company and own the office building and they want some, you know, a small project at their office building. 
Um, okay. So sometimes it dovetails into Got projects it. like that. Got it. Okay. Um, so when a lead when a lead comes in, mm-hmm. and what do you say? Let's jump on a call, or do you meet with them? Like walk me through the process. Yeah, typically I want to have a a call to speak with them more about the project, make sure they understand my process. Because again, a lot of people's, you know, a lot of people's stereotype of what a landscape architect does. When you say, Hey, I'm a landscape architect. They think you're a landscaper that comes out and, you know, digs ditches and plants a tree in your yard. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to make sure they understand exactly what I do and it's a good match. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll discuss right off the bat, you know, kind of how I charge, what a typical hourly fee is, what a typical fixed fee is for their type of project. And Mm -hmm. if everything's good at that point, I'll schedule a meeting on the job site to talk with them further about everything. Okay. So pretend I'm a client and, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like I've got, I've got a pool party in a year. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you, you don't have enough time, but that's another thing. (laughs) That's an aggressive timeline. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, you have to hire me or you're definitely not gonna, you probably won't make it if you do hire me and you definitely won't if you don't. (laughs) Um, okay. So you're going to have a pool party in a big mud hole. Right. So what, what's your, what's your, what's your spiel? Like hit me with your spiel. So, you know, I really just kind of go through the exact, the exact steps of what I talked to a little, but what do you say? Like simplified way. Yeah. Like what's the rate? Like, is it different for different phases? Do you, are you already talking to me about how many phases I think I want? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm saying, is this a single phase project? Do you guys want to have this all done all at the same time? You know, what's involved in the project? Uh, have you been speaking with other people? And if, if I'm getting the referral from an architect, I know right off the bat, they're used to my fee structure they're used to how I work phase wise, um, sequencing wise, because they work in a very similar manner that I do. That's really kind of why I set up the structure that I have, just because if anybody's working with an architect, it's going to try and dovetail right into kind of how I work. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it depends on where that client came from, the kind of questions that I'm asking them. Okay. Um, if it's a cold lead that just some other homeowner passed on to another homeowner, I'll dig a little bit deeper into budgets and making sure they're comfortable with my fee structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, I want to be very upfront and honest. And I just want to say, just want to make sure we're a good match for each other. And I don't want to waste each other's time. You know, just, I think, I think you have to be honest right up front or you're going to end up wasting a lot of time, especially in my industry with people just kicking tires and, yeah. you know, trying to get free estimates and things like that. So, right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. You might as well, present yourself as the most expensive option immediately right? and filter right. out anybody. Because if you, you could, you could cut your number of clients in half and double your income anyway, right. theoretically. Right. So why, if you just filter down to the, the most, the ones that are going to value what you do most highly. Correct. So there's really no reason to, it, once, once someone, not you, but once some, you're, you're way past this line, but mm-hmm. when, once you're good enough, to do a great job, like you're an expert, you're a professional mm-hmm. and you're an expert at what you do. It's all about, you know, and you want to grow your business without adding headcount. It's all about getting better customers. Like that's right. it. That's your growth channel. Your growth right. channel is getting better customers and better means ones that value what you do more, ones that have the budget to spend. And that allows you to be more profitable, which means you can do a better job for them, which means they're going to refer you more and hire you again more. Mm-hmm. And you've increased your profits dramatically. Correct. So now what, I have no idea, even at ballpark, what an hourly rate is for a landscape architect. So what would you, and, and maybe I'm a potential client and I say that to you. Sure. I'm like, 
I know, I feel like we really need this. This is important. It's going to be my daughter's wedding. Mm -hmm. I I want it to be right, but I honestly don't know at all how much this costs. I have no idea. I don't know if it's a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. So what can you give me an idea? Sure. So my hourly rate, just to be completely transparent right now is 180. Mm -hmm. Um, my just like a software developer it's my, like exactly the same my cat assistant is uh build them out at 130 mm-hmm. um and really kind of operate that way but again if if i can get a fixed uh, and maybe this will dovetail into your help here if i can get a fixed fee proposal right off the bat then i'll i'll talk those numbers you know for a schematic design of a you know kind of your standard uh, you know one acre lot, you know, it's a nice, nice lot or three acre lot, you know, it's probably in the eight to $12,000 range for that schematic, schematic design process. And I'll throw that out right off the bat and see Mm -hmm. if they have any qualms with that. Mm -hmm. Um, What if you just said it's 15,000? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's something I've been debating back and forth, uh, you know, give them a range or I think that's probably where I'm the <laughs> problem with my the, personality yeah. is, you know, the problem with the range is it doesn't, it, it will maybe disqualify them, but really as it doesn't do a better job disqualifying them than a fixed price, like a single mm-hmm. price. Mm-hmm. Because if you say, what did you say? Eight to 12,000. Mm-hmm. Correct. All they're hearing is like, they have a, they might not have an explicit number in their head. So if I said to you, you know, how much would it be worth for um, a software application? Mm-hmm. How much would you, you know, how much would you pay for a software application or how much would you pay for a private coaching program with me? You'd be like, I don't know. But if right. I said, would you pay $50,000 for private coaching with me? You'd immediately have a reaction that's yes or no. Sure. So I think throwing the number out is a very quick way to qualify people, but also uncover um, what, what it might be, what is certainly uh, not exactly what it's worth to them, but a number that is lower or higher than what it's worth to them. So if you say it's $15,000 for the schematic, and uh, once we have that, you'll end up with a, uh, you know, it'll take about eight out of eight hours of your time across the course of six to eight weeks. Uh, I'll need you for about eight hours spread out over that. And at the end, you'll have CAD drawings. You'll have photorealistic rendering of the idea that's in your head will be on paper. You'll be able mm-hmm. to put it on your computer. And if you want, you can even come and put a virtual reality headset on and, and walk through it. Right. And that's just what it is. Sure. And immediately... Um, people who, who didn't blink at your eight to 12,000 are just going to say yes. Right. So, That's okay. Good thought. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You, you could say 12, you could just stay in the high end of your current range. Because sure. if you say eight to 12 and they immediately say yes, they would have said yes to 15. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, might as well just fix price <laughs> that. Right. Anchor and if somebody high, right? says yeah. no, right. Yeah. If somebody says no, then okay. So other questions that, that they're, the two questions that they're going to want to know is how long is this going to take calendar wise? Like, when am I going to get my um, satisfaction? You know, like, when am I going to be excited and get this picture that I can play with? Right. So they're going to want to know that they're going to want to know how much time it's going to take from them. And they're going to want to know how much it costs. And maybe a little bit about like, like, do we need to let you in the house? Can you, you know, stuff like that? Sure, sure. Logistics, real basic stuff Mm there. And, and what are they going to get out of it? You're going to get the picture that's in your head. Mm hmm out into the world so that you can share it with other people and start to get prices, start to come up with a plan, pick finishes, but that's all next phase. That's when we do a construction blueprint. If you want to move forward with me, I can do that with you as well. Mm-hmm. That's $65,000 or whatever, let right. multiply it out. But you know, the, the maximum end of your range, which sure. you, you said it's about 40 hours times 200 is 
what is that times 100 is one, two, four, it's only 4,000. Yeah, so maybe I throw out a, maybe way too high of a number. Maybe the blueprint phase is, you know, what's the, that can't be right. Am I doing the math right for it? It's like $8,000. Yeah, almost eight. Yeah. So the schematic is, yeah, so the blueprint phase where I, you know, map out everything, say it's 12. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So you're making a nice profit there. Uh, it'll probably take, you know, it'll probably take us three to four months. You'll end up with the uh, specific documentation down to the number of tiles and how much everything's going to cost and all the decisions that we make. The problem with this phase, dear homeowner, is that it takes a lot of your time and it can be really intense. Right. So can you commit to me that you would have, you know, 20 or 30 hours spread out over the course of three months to actually go over this stuff, walk the site, be going through samples, maybe come to the store with us, meeting with, you know, you bring in your general contractor on site, make them commit to the time commitment and let, you know, think about the money less mm -hmm. uh, and say, okay. And then you'd end up with these, you end up with this deliverable. Right. Say, oh yeah, yeah, we can do that. This is important. I say, okay, great. And then uh, I, I would, honestly, I would fix price both of those first two things. And, and to account for the potential swing of scope, I would just price it way on the high end. Yeah. And, and I try and do fixed prices for both of those whenever I can. I think the, the problem comes up um, on these jobs where they come to me, um, they're very wishy-washy about the scope the, or uh, like I was mentioning before, they've got a large estate with multiple you know, homes and outbuildings and, you know, a lot of different pieces or a winery mm -hmm. where yep. they're developing things all over the place. And it's so that's hard. a whole different can of worms. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, and you would know that immediately on the right. first, very first phone call. So right. I would just have a product for them too. Okay. So if you had a, a an estate, you know, maybe you've got a house mm -hmm. schematic or, um, you know, there's probably terms for these that, that you already use. But if you, or maybe you could do it by acres, but I don't love that. Right. Uh, that's a weird thing to measure. But you could say um, the, if it's basically a residential project, a winery is not a residential project. Yeah, it, it, it kind of crosses the line. A lot of the, at least around here, a lot of the wineries are residences that they've developed a piece of it as a winery. Um, so it kind of, it crosses boundaries a little bit. That's why it's a good fit for me because it is kind of a, just a giant high-end residence. So, okay. So, uh, what I would try to do is come up with a version of the schematic that, it, I mean, I, I see that you can kind of make a case for that being you're like, oh, they live there, but it's still a business. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's more of a B two B sale, I feel like, which should have a different price. It's a totally different mindset, I, I would think. I mean, I've never dealt with someone like this, but right. Um, I would, I would think that you just have like, you'd say, oh well. Are you, is this part of a business or is it your home? Well, it's kind of both. We live there, but it's a winery and we have right. tours and there are, you know, workers there all the time. And I mean, it's going to have all kinds of different constraints. You know, I mean, if it's, if it's a retail, if there's a retail aspect to it and you're doing construction there, there's going to be a whole different can of worms. Mm -hmm. It's a different, I feel like it's, I would be a little bit surprised if you disagreed that that wasn't a fundamentally different project. Yeah, it, it definitely is from the whole process. It definitely is. Yeah. yeah. So you could determine that very quickly on a phone call and say, mm -hmm. Oh, okay, well I do this, I do this residential schematic design that you, know, you wouldn't even need to say this to them because they don't mm -hmm. qualify for it. But in your head, it's like, well, they don't qualify for the residential schematic. So I'm not even going to, you know, maybe you could mention, Oh, I do these residential schematics for $15,000, but this, mm -hmm. I wouldn't actually mention that. But in your head, you're like, these guys are not 
garden variety residential. This is sure. mixed use. This mixed use schematic that is twenty five thousand or whatever is the very high end of your range for that for based on your experience. And they can say yes or no, and maybe your conversion rate will go down, but maybe it won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe your conversion rate will go down, and if it does, you'll end up with less work for the same amount of money, right? Or and, yeah, more. And, you know? and I've had clients kind of in a similar type of property where I've started hourly, and I've said let's let's think through this scope a little bit from an hourly perspective. And once we get that really nailed down, we'll transition to a fixed fee approach. And, you know, a lot of people like the fixed fee approach rather than hourly, just off the start, no matter who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and so they're pretty, pretty reliable uh, and agreeable to kind of go forward with that approach. Is that, does that make sense? Everything. It's very difficult to name anything you buy where you don't know the price when you're making the decision. Right. Very difficult. And construction is almost the only thing. You could say healthcare, but that's that's weird because insurance. But almost everything you buy every single day, all day long, there's the thing, there's the price, you make a decision. Mm-hmm. With software development, with legal services, with all this hourly billing stuff, you're, you're, the, the seller is asking the buyer to make a purchase decision without ever telling them the price, which is really uncomfortable for the buyer. Right. And these but- people your people are already going to be in that uncomfortable situation because they're about to do this with their builder mm-hmm. and they probably hate it. Sure. You know? It's sure. like, Oh, you know, Oh, you just give fixed price. It's not an hourly. And it's like, well, have you ever worked with a builder before? They said, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Did it ever go over budget? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that will never happen with me. Well, right. how many hours is it going to take you to do this schematic? I don't know. That's why I don't want to charge you based on the hours. Right. And, and do you do you feel that gives a homeowner heartburn by yes they know the price or homeowner who or any client that they they know the price but they don't necessarily know what they're getting you can exp- which is different I, I on the back can, end um, I feel like you will okay that's a great question I'm glad you asked that so you are you are not necessarily selling them the value that they are using to determine whether or not your schematic is worth fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars is not how beautiful their wedding is going to be in the backyard. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's the difference between hiring a professional to do this first phase or not. Right. You barely even have any competition in your, in your area. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you even have to worry about somebody undercutting you. Right. It's more like, do you want a professional to do this for you or not? It's fine. If you don't, I completely understand. But if you hire a professional, it's going to be expensive. Right. And to that, you know, to these people, fifteen thousand dollars is probably not even that expensive. Right, exactly. And that it's just—it's not that expensive, but it's just the stereotype of the landscaper. I'm paying the landscaper how much to do a plan? You know, some of that I'm fighting from a an educational right. perspective. That's—it's it, neither here nor there. But that's sometimes some of the battles. I'm no, approaching. that's important. That's yeah. the why conversation we yeah. already talked about. It's like, why don't you just have your landscaper do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pro- what does he charge per hour? Thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be a lot more to have me do it. It'll, in my opinion, it'll be better, but that's up to you to decide, not me. Sure. And they might say, well, could I see some other ones that you've done? Could I talk to some other clients? And you're going to show them some beautiful renderings and they're going to talk to some happy clients and they'll be like, Phew. And they'll talk to their landscaper who'll be like, I don't know, I guess we could do it. Yeah. And they're going to be like, that 15 doesn't sound so bad. And I, I've had other, I've had, it's happened once, uh, not, not all the time, but I have had another competitor who's uh, very well established, has a larger firm, 
came in at a schematic design price lower than me, mm-hmm. but the second phase they were charging percentage. Um, and yeah. the client first off the bat, they saw that number, that hard number that says, look, they're cheaper. And they didn't understand the, the second phase, that percentage. Um, so that's a little bit, not a concern, but something I have to just factor in that. Um, that's just a know, point of differentiation. Yeah. So yeah. you say, well, you know, you know, are you talking to anybody else? Yeah, we're talking to this competitor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, make sure you consider the if you're, are you planning on using a landscape architect for all three phases of the project? Oh, three phases. What are the three phases? Mm-hmm. Well, there's this first phase and then there's the phase where we break out all the costs. And then there's the final phase where, you know, I oversee the project. If, if you want, I can oversee mm-hmm. the project to make sure that everything's going in according to the vision that you had. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And so, you know, and you could say, well, my first phase for the vision phase is 15 for residential, which is what you are. And for the bl- blueprint phase, it's 12. Um, the competitor that you're talking about, and you might prefer this, they're going to price it based on your overall construction budget. Mm-hmm. And you said your construction budget is 3 million. So that's going to be probably 300,000. Right. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. So, yeah. you know, you can, you can decide. Uh, which you think is more fair. Sure. How, how about, um, you know, again, I collaborate with a lot of architects, interior designers that bring me to the table who have a, a similar pricing structure. They don't price like what we were just talking about, but they'll price um, sometimes hourly mm-hmm. or they'll give them a number and it's an hourly not to exceed number. Oh, it's the worst possible <laughs> choice. And, and do you see any issues with, them having a pricing model, bringing in somebody and I've kind of worked my, the structure around kind of how an architect works. So it's easier, less heartburn on the, the homeowner trying to learn a new system of how this guy's getting built. Do you see any, any potential pushback or would that be again, a differentiating factor kind of as a, a plus in my, I mean, you're, you're, you're bringing in a system that's different from architects, but it's the same as virtually everything else they buy. So it's uh-huh. not going to be hard for them to understand it. It's like, would you buy a car without knowing, would you drive a car off the lot without knowing how much you paid? True. No, it's how they buy everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about it at all. And I would give the architects my name. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to point them your direction. <laughs> right. Get them to switch. Exactly. Now, one of the, the one potential problem is that the architects think they know your price and say, oh, you should call Daniel. He's $15,000 for this. Right. Maybe you don't want that. You might not want them to do that. So sure. um, you can solve that in a couple of ways. One would be to change your price regularly. Mm-hmm. You could, every time you sell one of these, raise it 5,000 bucks. Right. or 2000 bucks, whatever is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the architects never know exactly how much it is. They could say, well, last time we used them, it was 15,000, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't know what his prices are now because you don't want them kind of undercutting you or you don't want the, the homeowner to, I guess it would be fine if the homeowner was like, oh, that's way too expensive. Mm-hmm. And they didn't call you because then it would be too expensive. Right. So, so it might actually be a net positive. And for software developers, I tell them to put their prices right on their website, but you don't need that because no one's really going to your website. Uh, right. At least as an initial part of your sales funnel there, it's all referrals. Sure. Um, so, I mean, if you were afraid that it might negatively impact your referrals, you could just talk to some of the, the ones that you're closer to and say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to move over to fixed price. This hourly thing is for the birds. Mm-hmm. Um, is that would that affect your ability to recommend me to people or would you feel better about it? Right. Right. I That's mean, they great. might feel like it reflects negatively on them. Sure. Sure. Now, if, if if they come back or if the homeowner comes back and says, how do you figure your pricing? How do you answer that question? 
I would just say based on past experience for projects like this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how That's long it's going to take. That's much better than how much time it's going to take me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take. So it's not really fair to, to not give you a price and get started. Mm-hmm. So I'd really rather just give you a price and I take the risk. If it ends up taking me longer than I thought, then that's my problem, not yours. That's great. And, and for you to calm you down, if you're nervous about like getting killed by some complete like scope creep revision monster, Mm -hmm. most of you, you probably have enough experience to detect that kind of a person up front and not work with them. Or you could just, and the other way to look at it is um, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen that often. So if one person takes twice as long as you expected, the rest Mm -hmm. of them are going to make up for it. Right. So it's really not something to worry about. And I try and be as specific as possible within the proposal that says this, these are the deliverables. These are how many revisions you get. Uh, Anything beyond that is above and beyond this price. And I wouldn't even, yeah, I would just raise my price to whatever the most above and beyond you ever got. Okay. That's that's your new price. Okay. And you just say, and if that's 15,000, which I'm guessing is roughly in the ballpark, Mm-hmm. And you just like, it's 15,000 unloaded right. revisions. Right. You know, at some yeah. point they're going to want to declare victory because they've got the pool party coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So Memorial day is coming point, up. Yep. Yeah. So at some point they have to, they have to say, okay, I'm satisfied. And yeah, I, I think sure. it's, it's, this is a very clear productized service. This is clearly perfect for that. Good. So you just pick a price, go for it. The, I think the blueprint phase or the construction detailing phase uh, is similar because it's actually less work for you. It's mm-hmm. to, to me, it sounds like more work. So, uh, and the client's going to feel like it's more work for you because they're more involved. Right. So it's going to seem like way more work. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I, I'm almost nervous about pricing the, the, uh, the construction detailing lower than the schematic. Yeah. Typically historically, if I just go back and I, you know, I, I do track hours just as a, as a way of just, you know, kind of forecasting things, you know, if you go back, uh, time and, and money are pretty similar from the schematic to the construction, you know, mm-hmm. those details typically, okay. again, mm-hmm. each client's a little bit different. I feel you know, like, the, I feel like, um, and your competitor is probably charging 300,000 for the construction yeah. part. So I don't I, know how they do it. Yeah. There's something psychologically, I feel like it should be more like it's 15 for this, but mm-hmm. maybe not, maybe not. That might not be fair. I don't really know your industry. Uh, yeah, and I mean, when I, I say fair, I mean, I mean, acceptable. Uh, you know, I take it as you could almost reverse engineer their pricing fee to help the homeowner understand value that says, look, I'm charging you this, which is X percentage of how much your project costs. This other term, this other, company would charge you why um and help them understand you know mm-hmm. you're getting a real value for what you're getting here it's expensive but yeah but this is uh i don't try to persuade anybody okay that that's that feels a little bit too close to persuasion okay i, I would i would just rather be um willing to walk away at any point almost okay. like almost like not disinterested you always want to be polite and you know, I can, you know, I can tell just from talking to you that, that you have the right demeanor for this, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, I, as soon as it starts to veer into that, like, no, look, I'm actually a better deal than the other guy. No, don't do that. Got it. Stay Got away it. from that. Just be sure. like, Hey, if you want to go with the other guy, he's, he's good. I right. know him. You can absolutely trust him. And if you feel like you'd be more comfortable with him, please go with him. Sure. I wouldn't for a second be like, no, 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 I'm better than that guy. Or I'm cheaper than that guy. Or you're going to end up spending less with me or the way that I price myself is more fair. Never. 
Got it. I would make sure that they were aware of the differences. I would say something like, well, make sure, you know, are you planning on doing all three phases? Make sure you ask how he's going to price out all three phases. Mm -hmm. So I can give you a price right now for all three phases. Mm Mm-hmm. And or another thing is if if you're bidding against someone who you think is working on an hourly basis and because this happens a lot in software, I don't think it'll happen a lot with you. But um, if somebody comes to you and says, well, I got an estimate from somebody who's like less than half of what you charge, I would say, well, that's great. You should go back to them and ask them if they'll stand behind that price. And if they do, you should probably go with them Uh huh. because they won't. Right. They won't just be confident it. in your process. And, yeah, exactly. You know. Just be totally confident. You've got leads coming in. You're, you're doing okay. You're not like desperate for money. It's fine. So mm-hmm. like you can be super confident. Uh, you're going to deliver a great product. And you've got you, you're like decades of experience doing it. You, it sounds like you honestly enjoy it. I do. It's a yeah. great job. Yeah. Right. I it's wish a lot I lived of in fun. Virginia. It yeah. sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now the last phase. So these two, the two, the, the vision and the blueprint, or the, uh, sorry, I keep using my terms, the schematic design and the construction detailing, I would definitely fix price both of those on the high end of where y- your worst case scenario has ever been in the past, and then every time you sell one, raise the price. Okay. Uh, project administration thing, what I would call oversight. Mm-hmm. I would probably do that on because what they're buying there, a hundred percent, what they're buying there is insurance, is right. pure insurance, and I would price that on a monthly basis for the for the length of the duration of the project because you don't have control over how long the project's going to take the builder to execute. Correct. You'd say, hey, it's um, I'm happy to, you know, and this is where you had like tiers of service, which you could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know enough. To be to have a strong opinion whether that's the right way to go or to just go max the needle at the high end and be like it's it's three thousand dollars a month for me to kind of keep tabs on the project uh be a shoulder to cry on for you not that i would say it like that but right right um, and as a go-between to make sure that you know when they put the pool in they put the pool in the right place we don't right. want to move the pool later <laughs> right. you know right Okay. Um, and you That's could a good say, approach. it's like, I, I trust these guys. You went with the people I trust. I know they're going to do a good job. Um, but I also know that they don't speak homeowner very well, or you don't speak construction very well. And I know that homeowners sometimes get freaked out when they see things ha- coming together in a patchwork fashion. They're like, wait, did he forget to do the, the barbecue, the plumbing or the gas line for the barbecue? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you feel like you're going to be worried about that and you want me to kind of act on your behalf and whatever this means for you personally, scope wise, I don't know, you know, maybe it means walking the site weekly or daily or regular meetings or whatever it looks like, right? Whatever you want to commit to for whatever monthly price you want. Uh, again, I would just make this a fixed price thing, but on a, on a monthly recurring basis where they just set up a credit card, you just put the credit card in, it charges it three, five, 10, whatever it is, thousand per month. And, um, and you do what you said you were going to do and they'll you know pick up the phone when they call and they'll be happy you'll be happy and the project will be a success yeah that's a great idea so you don't really need to have value pricing conversations with anybody honestly mm-hmm. just right off the bat don't even you can save the value just... pricing conversations for the vineyard types <laughs> right got yeah. it right be like i don't really do this i mean i do this but i don't really have a product for you so we could talk about having a uh, a custom proposal in which case you know, you get this whole, the whole can of worms with the uh, scope creep and multiple projects. Yeah. And the, the answer for the multiple projects is I would insist that you only do one at a time. Mm-hmm. If you want to map it out as phases, that's fine. But, uh, I'm not pricing phase 10 when we haven't even done phase one yet. So. Right. 
that makes sense. Okay. That's or, great. I mean, the other thing you could do with the vineyard types is offer this, um, you could offer this oversight thing where maybe they've got a crew or maybe they've got, um, maybe they've already got a schematic from somebody else and you look at the schematic, you're like, this is good. You look at the construction detailing that they got from someone else and it's good. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I mean, if you want a hotline to my brain, uh, you want me to come by monthly to watch the construction, weekly to watch, to check on this construction to make sure everything's to code or to plan. Uh, it's 5,000 a month. Uh, you can use a credit card. It'll just automatically recur. And when you are done with me, you're done with me. So right. no, no contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a great approach. Um, you know, cause I think those probably, those kind of clients are probably not my bread and butter and, uh, yeah, maybe you, know, you just say no filtering. Well, I mean, even filtering them out with that kind of, uh, a, a conversation is a, you know, kind of pre-qualifying them there early is a good mm -hmm. idea. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great advice all around. Cool. Fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like we've made some good progress. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully other people will benefit from this. I think there's, there's a surprising number of parallels between this and software development. So I think it'd be pretty useful to most folks. Great. Great. Well, uh, it, it's uh, definitely valuable advice and uh, look forward to trying out some of these things here in the near future. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's it for this time around. I'm Jonathan Stark and you have been listening to Ditching Hourly. See you next time. Hey, Jonathan here again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.